Hello all and welcome back to another episode of Movies and Us, a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about movies, stories, and connection. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And today we're going to be reviewing the film Anatomy of a Fall. Sarah, kick us off with an IMDb summary for Anatomy of a Fall. A woman is suspected of her husband's murder and their blind son faces a moral dilemma as the main witness. All right. Let's start off with our one-sided summaries for Anatomy of a Fall in Movies and Us tradition. Sarah, what was your one-sided summary for this film? Mine is uh, French trials are wild. (laughs) Yes, they are. (laughs) Oh, accurate statement. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. My one sentence summary is, in the courtroom, relational dynamics are about as nuanced as stick figure drawings. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. That sounds about right. Yeah. I am super pumped to talk about this movie with you. We will dive in now with our initial thoughts and reactions to Anatomy of a Fall, and we will not spoil the movie in this first section and we'll have a spoiler alert later on. Before we dive in, I just actually want to say, like, we are starting off 2024, this year of movies, just real strong. We hit Poor Things, Book of Clarence, Anatomy of the Fall, just banger after banger. So this is a strong start to the year. Right? Can we keep this going? You know, like, I feel like we often do this where we'll, we'll start the year strong, because often we're, we're watching Oscar contenders and getting ready for that. And then we hit the lull that happens kind of in like the late spring and the summer. And so I'm just like, can we, can we keep this standard of excellence all year? That would be really lovely. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's there's a lot of weeks where or months where we've got, you know, a really good one and then kind of a roast and then one that was okay, but man, just three in a row, one after the other. Solid, solid movies. I was thinking to myself, like, this is gonna be interesting when we make our top ten list at the end of the year, a whole like three hundred and thirty days later from now. There's just so many strong candidates so far, so we shall see. But uh good start to the year. All right, let's dive in. Anatomy of a fall. I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts about this movie. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed this movie. And I think that Anatomy of a Fall accomplishes something that a lot of movies might try to do, but like fail to do. So I feel like sometimes a movie will start out with like a certain premise of like, this is a courtroom drama, but then it ends up being something completely different. And you almost feel like, like a bait and switch happened and you go in and you're looking for one thing and it ends up being something different. And so then you're disappointed. And I feel like anatomy of a fall is so interesting because it is a solid courtroom drama while also so much more than that. And so this is a really good example of using a certain genre as a vehicle to explore other things. And there are so many different themes and, and, and ideas that are just, you know, unpacked in this movie that you can really uh, think about and explore. And I, I just love the way that it it's structured and it invites you to, to go past the courtroom drama, to go past the mystery of this crime and then think about society as a whole and the things that we value and, and, and all of these deeper things. And so I, I think that this, this movie is pretty special in the way that it's written and it's, it's able to accomplish so much that I feel like other movies have maybe tried to do and have failed. So yeah, this is a great movie and I, I can't recommend it enough and I can't wait to dive into it. Yeah. There's so much here to unpack and that's a, that's fascinating because this film is quite scoped in what it covers uh, on the surface, but every uh, kind of chapter or section in this film really unpacks a deeper relational dynamic uh, that is kind of uncovered through that framing of this courtroom drama. Man, this movie really worked for me. I was hanging on to every word, every moment. Uh, I think one thing that's that's really impressive to me is just the acting power that's in this movie. I think that this movie really uh, is built on these actors really bringing such a human uh approach to the way that they're 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 
depicting these performances. Um, one thing that I feel like is striking about this is that it doesn't feel like a film in some ways. There's in the in the cinematography and the way that it's shot, it feels so raw and real and grounded and you really feel like these are human beings um that are are having to expose so much of their lives and they felt so real to me and sometimes courtroom dramas can really like uh lean into the flair around the dramatic and the drama of it all and it's you know it's got the hollywood gloss you know the the iconic ones you know and the few good men and some of these others that really lean into the drama of a court case. And there's all of that in this movie, but it feels so grounded. And I think that that the performances really deliver uh, that, that piece of it. And then I think what's also fascinating that you uh, mentioned is that this is about the case, but it's about so much more than that. And this movie does an amazing job, you know, focusing not too much on this idea of who will win the case. That actually is not what the movie's interested in at all. The movie's really concerned about who are these people and and what are their lives like and what is the nature of this family dynamic. And you see the way that that gets exploited, manipulated, and we kind of encircle around that from the lens of the case. But ultimately, the film is not necessarily so concerned about who will win the case. I thought it was really fascinating um, reading a little bit about how um, the actress that plays Sandra, Sandra Hewler, uh, was asking the director of this film, like, was my character guilty or not? And the director, Justine Trier, was like, that's, she doesn't answer her because that's not what the case is about. That's not what this movie is about. It's really about who this person is, um, who this family is. And uh, the movie did an amazing job really balancing that out really well and framing that really well. And then there's just some really great like filmmaking moments in this movie and, and kind of leveraging this medium of film, um, especially in the way that things are like cut together or voiced over together that I'm excited to talk about with you as well. So from a filmmaking perspective, this movie does a lot of great heavy lifting that uh, really anchors and, and allows the rest of the story and the point of the, the case to really shine. So man, this this movie really worked for me. Can't recommend it enough. This is this is a special one. Yeah, and and I think some of that realness in in the way that it's filmed helps you feel like you're there. You know, I I felt like I was there in the courtroom with them, watching all of this unfold. And even though I don't think I've ever seen a French trial before, uh, it was it was just cool that this movie was able to create that space and. I don't know. I've I've never seen a French trial, but I was like, oh yeah, yeah, this is this is what this is. This is what we're doing. It was it was so amazing. And I think it's that realism that helps you feel like you were there. You know, you're there with Sandra in her home, in her living room, uh, as she's having conversations or just cooking dinner or whatever. It was it was so well done the way the cinematography is is set up to really immerse you in her world. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. And I think what's also really fascinating is when the film chooses to depict the events that the case is discussing versus stay in the courtroom and and allow us as the viewers to imagine what is being told. And when the film chooses to kind of bring us into this kind of reenactment of the case or the portrayal that either side is looking to paint the picture of versus... Now we're going to be in the courtroom and we're allowing you as the viewer uh, kind of immerse yourself into what it would be like to be a juror and to imagine and, and, and figure out what, what was truth. Um, so kind of the, this idea of like a, what is truth and how elusive it is, I think is really fascinating about this movie. And it's such a process movie as well, which I think is quite challenging from a screenwriting perspective to allow there to be enough of that nuance and ambiguity where each side is making a compelling case, but we're kind of getting whiplash around, you know, when, when the prosecution is, is um, interrogating a witness on the stand, they seem to be constructing an incredibly logical and sound argument. And then you see the way that you get whiplash to the other side around those same facts and details being positioned and portrayed in a different way and how there's a totally different narrative that unfolds. And that is the tension of, the law and and of cases like these where 
the truth is elusive. So it really is this kind of intellectual sparring around who can construct and depict and portray the same facts and spin it in a way that feels so real to you and feels logical to you as the viewer, as the jury. Um, I love how much time this movie allows for those moments uh, to really like have breathing room to to feel that tension back and forth. And there's many, many moments where we have a different witness on the stand where we get to see that tension being played out and the way that the truth is just, just elusive. No one knows and everyone's kind of conjecturing and making inferences. Um, some seem sound, some are get, then getting deconstructed and we, we will never know. Yeah, and I, I love that tension that this film creates and and it does feel like we are members of the jury who are sitting and and receiving this information and trying to make a judgment about what happened and the whole movie is so good at presenting you information so that you can form an opinion and then it'll bring a fact or you know another piece of evidence that will force you to uh, examine that opinion that you've already made. And the whole movie is just asking us to reconsider what we've already established as facts or what we've already think is the truth. And and I thought that that was such a smart way to depict that because it's not just something that somebody is saying about how difficult it can get to the truth, but the movie is actually showing you in the process that you are going through as the audience how difficult it is to arrive at what the truth is. Um, there, There's a line early on in the film, Sandra and her lawyer Vincent are talking and she's like, mm. I did not kill him. And Vincent mm. is like, that's not the point. And I think that that so <laughs> encapsulates what this movie is is doing in 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 showing how difficult it is to get to the truth and and how much narrative and story can actually go into a court case to to sway people and and you know we've seen other movies and shows depict that where it's whoever has the better story wins the case but i feel like this movie does it in a very interesting way because we are in the dark we're on the outside and we are like members of a jury and we are being swayed by both of these narratives and all of these experts and all of these facts. And we don't know what happened either. And I think that's that's really impressive to do all of that without losing the audience in the process. Mm, yes, yes, absolutely. And and for the, the details of the case to allow for enough gray area, I think that's actually like a difficult task to do. It's almost like writing a great mystery. Like those little details have to be constructed in a way and in a way that's also very well balanced to allow for there to be enough gray area that you can kind of vacillate and ooze back and forth between both sides as far as who we may be starting to believe. And then maybe that gets um, punctured and we start to like lean and, and, and make our way towards the other side. And there's got to be enough ambiguity there and to not have enough, you know, resounding evidence on either side or even lean a little too heavily on either side. That's a difficult screenwriting task in and of itself to construct a scenario like that um, where each side kind of has a decent amount of evidence where it really truly is kind of a stalemate at the end. And um, we are then invited to the difficult and meaty task of now that we have some of these details, there's an extra layer there around what judgments or conclusions or inferences do we make about motivations and uh, the, the capacity for violence. You know, like I think that is something that was pretty unique about this case and this courtroom drama in comparison to others, which is not only are new details emerging and new facts emerging, like, for example, they had a an explosive argument the, the night before. But we're also being asked to consider how much weight do we place on that as plausible evidence for the act that is being charged that the, the person has committed? And is that enough? And then I think that's where the movie really shines because it invites us to think about relational dynamics, um, you know, 
marriages and the complexities of emotions and the things that we say in the heat of the moment. Like this movie really opens up to think about like the, the nature of human beings and how much nuance we allow for um, in those very complex moments and emotions. And obviously the, the prosecution is painting a certain picture where we're making some pretty big conclusions about uh, who this person is capable of being, the type of violence that Sandra was capable of from this one argument. And the defense kind of is, is kind of unpacking like, hey, marriages are complex. Relationships are complex. You say things you don't mean. And asking the jury to kind of allow for that humanity to be involved in as well. And I, I think that was the most exciting part of this movie is while new details are emerging, I think that the more interesting part is um, how much weight and inference we allow for those facts to then let our minds wander to what is what is possible, what this person was capable of doing. That is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the way that it it shows you different facets of both Sandra and Samuel, because again, at the beginning, you know, you form conclusions about who these people were, and then as the film progresses, those conclusions are constantly being challenged, and and you're having to adapt and make room for some of that complexity uh, that exists within all human beings. Um, and I love that this movie also shows how difficult it is to have any relationship under a microscope. You know, <laughs> like when you look at something that closely and you're you're going over somebody's life with a fine-tooth comb, you can find a lot of stuff there probably that isn't too flattering. Uh, and I just love the way that this movie plays with that and 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 how the defense and the prosecution are bringing up things about Sandra and her life uh, in such a way that it was like, oh my gosh, that would make anybody uncomfortable to have these things out. So again, just the complexity of this character and and how difficult it would be for your life to be unpacked in in public in front of a courtroom like that is just... It's, it's wild to think about having to go through something like that, too. And again, because the film is so immersive and you feel like you're in the courtroom, it's that like, oh, my gosh, this this poor woman having to have her whole life unpacked like this is is an interesting way to build empathy with this character. Yeah, that is a horrifying experience. And to like have to mm-hmm. hear yourself yeah. in your worst moments or your most, you know, like private moments in your home being played in such a like sterile setting and for someone like the prosecution attorney to kind of be up in your face and and casting judgment and I I think I think one thing that was really interesting is kind of the the way that the prosecution in small little comments little facial expressions looks the little moments of sass like really can 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 cause you as a witness to just unravel and and lose track of like what were the facts that I was just saying and and you it's a, it's, it's such an emotionally triggering experience you're also grieving the death of your loved one at the same time as so much of your life is being exposed and and just kind of those little tactics that are used to capitalize on the the weak emotional states that that these people are in and having their like entire life exposed I thought that was such a fascinating look at some of the, the like logistical tactical approaches that are used in court cases to really unravel a witness and there's there's so much like emotional intelligence that is being used for some of those like manipulative moments that I thought was fascinating to observe as well and um you know, I think it really shines a light on how much is involved and integrated into legal processes that are far beyond just like the goal to reaching justice. There's there's a lot of construction of narrative that is so much a part of the craft as well and can be used for good and can be used uh, for some of these more gnarly situations as well. So like, 
are you not allowed to object in a French courtroom? Like, I, I watched too many courtroom dramas, but there were multiple points where, like, the prosecutor would say something. And I'm like, why are you not objecting? Like, no, that's not an okay thing to say. Or, like, the, the defense goes on this, like, whole monologue at one point, And I'm like, that's not allowed. What are you doing? You need to be asking questions, not testifying yourself so it was just so fun too to like watch this different format (laughs) for a trial it was bonkers I'm like they're reading literature they're talking to each other like witnesses are talking to each other which I think makes it all the more exciting and like you said like so much more emotionally charged too because you're you're experiencing people reacting to one another who have a vested interest in this case so even though it doesn't have the like dramatic, like you can't handle the truth moment, there are still plenty of dramatic moments throughout because it's so emotionally charged. And just the format, I think, makes it really exciting and, and interesting and kind of electric to go through this case with them. Yeah, absolutely. And the cinematography is doing some really great stuff in that courtroom room as well of the moments where the camera is like swiveling back and forth as people are talking and commenting over each other. Or when the camera chooses to stay right up in Sandra's face as she's reacting to something that's really vulnerable and uncomfortable. And those moments where she's pleading with the jury to to think about who we are as people and to think about and consider their worst moments and the things that they've said, like just the kind of the, the kineticness of how the camera is moving or choosing to stay still, I thought was also really well done and really adds to that atmosphere and the realism of this being really grounded. And you're right, it's dramatic in a very different way than say A Few Good Men is. And I would argue like the the realism adds to the stakes and the feeling of investment that we have because it's it's free of a lot of the, the gloss and the crescendo of, you know, a Hollywood courtroom drama. This is, you know, there's so much at stake here and we're so invested that um, that is the drama. The stakes are the drama. The, the people that we feel connected to is part of the drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I also love that it's not just Sandra that uh, has stakes in this, but her son too. And so that is another component of this that adds more complexity, more emotions, and even ups the stakes for it too. So even his inclusion, I think, was really, really smart. And the actor who played her son was so good, so talented in this role too. And that helps make it more dramatic and makes us even more invested in the outcome of this case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about how Daniel is just an absolute G like his ability to negotiate with adults and like weave an argument for why he should be at somewhere or have permission to do something is absolutely incredible like I love the scene where he is negotiating with a judge around why he should be in the room for the next hearing and you know the judge is going on about how like we don't want to hurt you we don't want to feel like we have to censor ourselves and he goes like I'm I'm already hurt by this and I'm going to hear about this and you see the next shot is that he's in the is he's in the room and I just thought I loved seeing the cleverness of the way that he too knows how to construct and deconstruct arguments to be able to influence the people that um, need to be. And we see that come to full fruition in the end of the film um, when he gives his testimony. But I, I love seeing kind of the the little ways he does that on our way towards the bigger moment at the end uh, of the, the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. He was a compelling character for sure, which is impressive because he's a kid. Like they put so much importance on this kid in this movie. And, and he is a three-dimensional fully formed character with agency he makes choices that directly affect the plot and the actor does a great job portraying him so like what what a I don't know what an incredible achievement in that alone uh in addition to all of the other things that the screenplay accomplishes yeah yeah so good Okay, uh, let's include a spoiler alert. Uh, it's crazy how time flies when we're just gushing about this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 
All right. So if you haven't seen Anatomy of a Fall uh, from our last 25 minutes, you can tell that we are big fans of this movie. We recommend checking it out, uh, going to watch this. It's available on streaming before continuing to listen to the rest of this episode. All right. We have free reign now. Where shall we dive into next? I don't know. Uh, what What else do you want to gush about? <laughs> yeah. Um, man, there's just there's just so much. Okay. Well, one moment that I have to talk about at some point, so we might as well start with this now, is from a filmmaking perspective. I mean, we've talked about how this movie does some pretty amazing things with the cinematography, all of that kind of stuff. One of the moments that I thought was so fascinating is when Daniel is giving his testimony about things that his father told him. And throughout the film, we're seeing this movie make very intentional choices about when we are hearing a testimony and staying within the courtroom in which we are imagining the events unfolding versus when the movie chooses to show a portrayal of what whatever uh, the testimony is happening within the courtroom, but we actually are seeing it with our eyes and we see different versions of the events that could have happened, but we're kind of seeing the reenactment of it. By the time we get to the end of the film, when Daniel's giving his, his testimony of the conversation he has with his father in the car on their way to or from Snoop's appointment, the movie does kind of a, a smushing of both of those two things together where we are hearing Daniel's words um, as voiceover, but it, the, the, the visuals are of Steve saying those same words, but with Daniel's voice. And I thought that was just such a fascinating way to showcase the power of testimony. And, and I think we saw versions of that throughout the film, but we kind of were very much on either side of the spectrum where we're either squarely in the courtroom and staying within the courtroom or we are seeing a full reenactment with the actual characters and their voices saying what the portrayal is and I thought it was so smart that by the end of the film this is the testimony that is kind of I would say the linchpin for the resolution of the case and we see kind of a fusion of both of those things together where Daniel's testimony has the power now to be the truth of what his father is saying. And it actually basically the, the point of that, you know, filmmaking technique is that it almost doesn't matter what Steve actually said because Daniel's testimony is now ushering the key facts and truth that the rest of the case will be resolved based on. And I just thought that was such a fascinating pro progression and such an interesting way to use filmmaking techniques to showcase something that's pretty meta and complex around what is truth and what is depiction um, and to do a fusion by the end to really showcase that the, test, the power of our testimony becomes truly what the truth is and what, what the real perception will be of the events that unfolded. I just, I ate that up. Like I, I thought about that for so long after the movie ended of the way that this movie uses the combination of visuals and audio and filmmaking um, to articulate and illustrate that complex topic no that's that's so good uh I think during that scene in particular I was looking at it kind of similar to the prosecutor of like you nobody else is here to you know corroborate this you know so this is just your <laughs> yeah. telling and mm. your memory we don't know that this actually happened. Like I came at it so skeptically. Uh, and I think it's because the film was like, let's, let's film it this way and, and make this larger point. And I went, mm, nope, <laughs> I'm not going to do what you want me to do. Uh, but you're right. All of the filmmaking components have really come together and build upon each other to get to this really really pivotal point that honestly like sealed the movie and sealed Sandra's fate uh I just I I was the little contrarian who was like mm -mm, nope I don't know that I can believe this because nobody else can can corroborate it uh even though the movie and everything that we had experienced for two hours was telling me hey go on this journey, which is also kind of interesting that I wasn't willing <laughs> to go go with it there. 
No, I, I think that's a key part of the the way this movie is kind of captivated by the gray area because we do see earlier in the film that Daniel is willing to stretch the truth or revise mm-hmm. the truth to, to out of the desire to protect his mother. And so uh, because we are seated with that at the beginning of the film and there's that whole segment around, you told us this with so much confidence, Daniel what happened to that? And he's like, oh, I got it wrong. And there's already so much doubt there. So that by the time we get to the end, you're right. Like I, my perspective is that I think that his desire to protect his mother and to continue to have this family and this, this relationship and to have his mother be free. I think, I think there's, there's some stretching for sure. And some perhaps dramatization of that conversation that did likely occur. But kind of that scene nails Vincent's point that you referenced earlier, which is that perception is reality in the case of the law. And it really doesn't matter what happened. Whoever can tell the best, most compelling story is the one that will win and and achieve the outcomes that they're looking for. And you kind of see that really well depicted with, with Daniel's testimony at the end there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I do love that, that interplay of narrative and truth and reality. So like one of my favorite moments in this was pretty early on, actually, with the competing blood spatter analysis <laughs> or yeah. analyst, I guess, uh, you know, they're both experts brought into the courtroom. You hear the prosecution's expert first. Uh, and he makes it clear and he's so matter of fact, and this is truth. And this is what happened. And this is the only way that blood spatter could have ended up on the shed like this done clear cut, easy, bam, have a conclusion. I believe you, sir. Cause you're the expert sounded right to me. And then the defense brings theirs and she floats a completely <laughs> different theory, mm-hmm. but her story was better. And the way that she communicated was better. And so it was just so interesting. Like listening to her, I was like, wait, I, I like you better. You're more engaging as an expert. I like listening to you. You're witty. You have fun banter. You're willing to answer these questions in a really like smart, quippy way. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm jiving with you. Okay. So maybe there's more to this blood spatter. So I just loved the way that the film depicted those two experts, one right after another to, like we were talking about earlier, play with what the truth is and show how important it is in a case to have the better narrative in order for you to win. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So true. And, and I feel like this while is focused around a very scoped case, I feel like there's so many broader implications of these things and idea that are very broadly applicable. I mean, we are nearing an election year, the 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 debates, the the media coverage, like all of that is all around construction of narrative. And I think we're in an age where the the truth is also just as elusive <laughs> as we feel it to be in this movie. And so there's so much emphasis now on construction of narrative and things like personality, charisma, cleverness, wittiness play a big factor on kind of our, our loyalties and who we want to listen to and who we want to believe to be sharing truth. And on the same vein, the the ability to kind of claim things confidently the way that that first expert did feels there's like something in us that wants to just trust that that is true because of the level of like gusto and passion that they're declaring these things to be fact. And then we're kind of quickly flipped on our head when we that second woman comes up and um, she constructs a very different narrative. But there's a risk if we never hear that other side and that other narrative, right? And and so there's there's so many broad implications around this idea of what is truth, what do we believe to be truth, and why, and how does narrative and packaging and all of that play a role in that impact the way that we pursue and and believe what is true or not. Huge implications for now, for right now in an era where there is so much disinformation and media, you know, charisma played into 
things in our politics and things in our government systems and, and the ways that we understand what's happening in the world through, you know, sources that we just kind of rely on. Um, there's so many implications for how we, you know, understand what's, what might, might be more true uh, and perhaps a more balanced and healthy way versus kind of going with our whims. Well, and I, I think there's something important here too about how facts are interpreted uh, because again, with those two blood spatter experts, they both were taking the same data and they were just interpreting it differently. And I don't know if one interpretation is better than the other or one is more, you know, scientifically sound than the other, but there's a lot of interpretation when it comes to these types of, of facts. And, and I think, you know, we've all watched CSI and, and I think shows like that have really uh, caused us to think that there's always like a very clear answer, especially in like murder mysteries and stuff. We've all, we've all watched a murder mystery and the detective finds the person in the end and there's certainty and we know who did it and how they did it. And, you know, we love playing the game clue because we can solve the mystery <laughs> and be certain, mm -hmm. but life doesn't work like that. And I, I love that this movie in a time where we want certainty is asking us to, to wade into the gray and wade into the messiness of, of life. Not only just the messiness of a murder investigation and a court case, but also the messiness of this relationship and these people's lives. And I think that that's such a, a breath of fresh air in this type of genre too, uh, which typically relies on certainty. And that makes the ending satisfying when we understand what happened and why and justice is served or not served depending on the bent of the movie but this one doesn't give an answer it just kind of leaves you with questions and leaves you to think and I think that that's this movie's real strength I think it's a fabulous point uh, because when we arrive at the ending I had so many mixed emotions and then for a wide variety of reasons but I'm intrigued to hear how you received the ending because I think that in a in a typical courtroom drama, we have a sense for that idea of what is true. And it's it's often, you know, like um, we are we are sided with either the prosecution or the defense. And based on the outcome, we have that release of like, ah, justice was served. And it's, you know, some well-constructed uh, legal battle that has ensued or it's because of some like new detail that has been uncovered and, and a key witness that we've gotten to somehow be a part of the case. And there's a feeling of, of, of satisfaction by the end of those courtroom dramas. I did not feel that same level of satisfaction by the end of this movie. And I think it's so smart for the movie to do that because of what you just shared, which is that we don't know what truth is. So there is no sense of we have arrived at the truth. It has been fully revealed and justice has aligned with the truth. We don't have that foundation. So we too are still floating to figure out what has ensued and, and, and whether, is this a win? Is this not a win? Did we successfully prove her innocence or did we just uh, bend the truth in order to protect this family? It all could be valid and we still have no idea. And so I thought, I thought that was a really smart way to leave this ending feeling really still ambiguous, kind of open-ended, and even emotionally, um, there isn't that sense of triumph that we might feel in, in mm -hmm. a typical courtroom drama. So I'm, I'm intrigued to hear how this ending felt for you as this movie wrapped up. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was really interesting uh, because it's not triumphant, and and like you said, I think it's so smart because I feel like a lot of movies when it or TV shows, when an innocent person is tried and then acquitted, we know that they're innocent, at least at some point in the movie, whether it starts out that way or we learn that along the way. And so then when they are acquitted, it's very triumphant. And it's like, yes, we did it. Justice was served. My client was innocent. Huzzah! We did it! Yay! Uh, but because we don't know what actually happened, we don't know if Sandra did it or not, then this movie can't really be triumphant at the end. Uh, 
And so I thought that that was just such a smart thing to do. I also loved that she's not necessarily excited at the end either. And she, Mm -hmm. she, she makes it clear that this was still harmful to her. And even though she was acquitted, her, her life has been changed forever, not only in the death of, of her partner, but in this case, and now she has become infamous. And so it's also interesting to think about how these cases, even if a person is innocent, can not only end up costing them a ton of money, but can also kind of destroy their lives in a way. And and I didn't really expect this movie to go there, but I, I love that it does. And then obviously her uh, you know, reunion with Daniel and they talk about being afraid of her coming home. And I thought that that was really interesting too, uh, especially because I thought that Daniel was, was lying in order to get his mom home. And then he was scared of her coming home. And so I just, again, these really, really complex emotions and these complex relationships uh, that the movie just kind of invites us into, but doesn't get to the bottom of because you can't because they're complex. So you just kind of live with it. I thought that that was so smart to leave you with this sense of unease rather than everything being wrapped up in a nice little bow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I love the point you brought up around consequences of this case. And I think that is one of the things that was really compelling and one of the themes of this film that it's showcasing, which is that just the, the cost of justice And even in this film, we don't even know if justice is served. But still, regardless, like the cost of pursuing justice through the legal system leaves a slew of of consequences in its wake. And And there's so many shots in this film of them playing an incredibly, you know, private conversation or or things about Sandra's um, sexuality and her love life. And they're while that it, we are hearing that, we are seeing the camera focused on kind of the side profile view of Daniel. And he's having to listen and take in so much of this information about his parents and who they are as people that no child should ever feel like they need to be exposed to. And it's not healthy for them either to, to learn about the like relational challenges that his parents went through. And in the wake of like his accident, all of those things, like the amount of trauma that this, that this poor boy has gone through by going oh, through this case yeah. is huge and massive and is one that he will carry. And so like, like we have compared throughout this episode, but the, those triumphant courtroom drama endings feel like such a win and such a, like, um, celebration of like legal processes and the systems that are set up to pursue these wins but you know they 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 often don't showcase as much the human cost of those things and um that's I think one of the challenges of the way that the legal system set up today is just how much it takes from you not even financial costs that is a whole nother ballgame but but even just the emotional cost of having to endure Something like this is 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 quite steep as well, and and that's a lot to to endure and go through. And I think you see a lot of that in this film. I think especially in the first half of the movie, where we're still seeing a lot of the raw emotion of them processing through just grief as well, but also needing to provide evidence and reenact these like incredibly painful moments from the last moments of their father's uh, death. You know, like that. There's so much of that that I think this movie is also kind of interested in exploring as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that the film also highlights Sandra's isolation too, because she didn't have a good standing with the community already. And then she goes through this, tr- this trial and has been accused of killing her partner who was from this town and was assumed assumingly beloved by the community. Uh, And so then she's going to continue maybe to live there and have to deal with that every day too. And and again, the film doesn't actually like go into that, but 
it's laid the foundation for her kind of already being on the outskirts. And now she's probably going to be like a full on pariah. And that is also just interesting to think about from a human perspective of what do these this type what does this type of attention do to a person and 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 how do you keep going after that and how do you how do you raise your son who is even more traumatized not only did he find his dad's body but he had to endure all of this and he had to testify at a trial to get his mom acquitted and all of these things in addition to losing his sight when he was a child from a traumatic incident so like this poor kid is going to just have to go through so much therapy <laughs> and need so much help. Like, oh, yeah. he's already so mm-hmm. mature and so, like, well-rounded. But holy moly, this poor kid. <laughs> what a terrible yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be rough. That's I think that's why that, like, you know, that final shot of Sandra collapsing into bed after finally mm-hmm. getting home and it just it yeah. does not feel like a win like there's there's the road ahead is still looking real rough you're right and that is that is an incredibly like grounded uh portrayal of of the way that these cases i'm sure unfold and and the way that you have to rebuild after going through something like this man so good mhm yeah another fascinating theme that seems to be so intentionally woven into this movie as well that I I think there's there's a lot there and you know it's just one of like the many 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 themes in this film but this is that it's the concept of language and, and communication I mean there's already so much that we see in the power of language and words in the way that these two attorneys are uh, articulating their key arguments and their key points with their witnesses so like the, the kind of the power of language is I think already portrayed there, but it was fascinating to see Sandra have to figure out how to navigate communicating things about herself and her life and her thoughts in a different language than her native tongue. And you see that, that kind of combination of language and how they figure that out in the context of their marriage where English feels like kind of common ground for them outside of their two native tongues to be able to communicate. And and they have that whole argument around like who's imposing what on whom and the compromises they need to make there. But even in the courtroom, you see that there's, there's a, there's a limitation to how much she can really share her heart about things. And she requests to be able to switch to English instead of French. Uh, But then there's an extra complicating factor of the fact that the jury is French. And so their ability to then understand her testimony is more limited. limited. And in general, I think the, the word choice in, in court cases is so vital with all of the connotations and inferences and, and implications that come from specific words that are used. So nuanced and so detailed um, in that way. But to have to do that in another language is like a whole different level of difficulty and it was it's interesting to see them all including Vincent have to navigate how they communicate and the language barriers that exist in some of these cases so I thought that was really fascinating to see the way that they they sometimes have to jump between languages to feel like they can communicate better for themselves but then have to grapple with how that's received by um, the other end who may not understand fully. And so that those, those very real barriers that exist, I thought was fascinating uh, to explore in this movie. And and it kind of, this movie explores mm-hmm. it from many dimensions. Yeah. And I, I love that it wasn't just Sandra's second language, but it was her third language. I mean, presuming right. she only knows three, she might know more. I don't know. But like, I, I cannot imagine that like having to testify in the most monumental case in your life you know like this is a matter of of essentially life or death and and you have to be able to tell your case in a language that you are not comfortable with that's actually your third language I wow like I was that's that's just not something that I've ever really thought of before is a language barrier in court and that Mm -hmm. just made me have 
so much empathy for any person from a different country who then has to go to court and and speak in a language that they're either not comfortable with or or maybe is their third or fourth or fifth whatever language uh man what a difficult thing to do and again this film like you said is able to get you in that courtroom and understanding all of these calculations that that people are making and and the difficulty to try and communicate and express yourself and and make your case and and share your narrative and plead for your life in a language that you're not comfortable with is just incredible. I was that was one of the the parts of this movie that I really appreciated just because I hadn't ever thought about something like that before. So, it was such a good way of making me be more aware of this thing that happens in courtrooms all the time uh, that I just never considered before. Yeah, I hadn't either. And it does make me think about the ways that we can better allow for accessible access to mm-hmm. justice yeah. and the path to justice can be, how do we make that smoother for those that don't have the privileges of being natively from the country that they're being tried in? And you can, you know, multiply this out into just like the systems of oppression that are probably in place to, uh, for people that are like wrongly accused and then they're not from this country. Mm -hmm. And then the ways that that just multiplies to just layers and layers of inequality that exists. But in the film, it was fascinating to see that they all then like kind of put on these tiny microphones into their ears. And there's a translator that's basically translating Sandra's testimony in English into French for everyone to listen to. And I mean, I don't, I actually don't know how, do how do courtrooms handle that today? Like, for example, in the US, no idea, but we've got some great technology that's pretty great at translation. How do we leverage some of that to make that playing field a lot more level so that there aren't these unequal systems in place and pathways in place to achieving justice for those that just aren't from here, which is which is a, t- a huge part of our population in many countries, not just in the US. So that was fascinating to think about, like the, the way that the system set up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was thinking the exact same thing. I only know from like a, an ASL perspective that they do have ASL interpreters like mm. that are that can go into courtrooms and you're like specifically trained for that too, which you can make bank if you are an ASL, like legal or medical interpreter, like you can make good money doing those things just because you have to know like all of like the technical stuff and there's like extra layers to it. But yeah, I hadn't thought about it for, for other languages though. So I, that is something that I'm going to go on a researching rabbit hole. I just haven't done it yet, but I, I love that this film is able to encapsulate so many different themes like that and just make you think about all of these very different subjects uh, and just follow them kind of wherever you want them to go. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many like little rabbit holes that you can kind of let your mind wander to. And there's so much happening on screen simultaneously as your brain is wandering that, man, it's just such a feast, such a feast. Okay. Any other things that we wanted to hit on um, that really resonated with you, stuck out to you about Anatomy of a Fall before we wrap up? I really loved uh, that scene, the, the, the argument, the recording of the argument, and the way that we start out in the courtroom and then we go back to like seeing them go through the argument. And I, I love the way that that argument was structured because it pulls in so many of the things that we had already learned about both of these characters and then ramps them up. But then it's also written so smartly to be like how people argue because like they keep bringing up the same things over and over and over again. They keep, you know, walking in those well-worn ruts in that relationship Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. And, And you can tell that they've had this same argument probably a hundred times, you know, this is not new ground that they're walking on. And, and, and you can learn so much 
context and so much of their history just through this one argument. So I just, I love the way that that was written. I thought it was absolutely captivating. And then the movie makes the really smart choice mm-hmm. to cut away from that and cut back to the jury as soon as people start punching or slapping or throwing plates and glasses and stuff. So we don't actually know what happened in that fight. We don't know who struck who or or who threw what glass or what plate or whatever. And so again, I thought that that was so smart to to leave that ambiguous and leave it up to us of who is the aggressor and and who is the victim for lack of a better term in that argument. So just such a smart piece of filmmaking in that argument. It's so good. It's so good. The screenwriting in this movie, man. I mean, just you're so right that it felt so grounded and and so accurate into the ways that we argue as human beings that it was almost it's almost eerily accurate to the point where I'm like, these just these are real human beings on screen because man, they've nailed even even the pacing of that, you know what I mean? Like the way that it escalates as both Sandra and Steve kind of begin to play a little dirtier with each other in the the things that they are claiming or accusations that they're throwing out and the way that just multiplies and feeds each other. You know, they're having a calmer conversation at the beginning and, and you can see the tensions rising, but you just see the ways that they start to hit below the belt and it kind of explodes from that point on. So that that pacing and progression is also just, man, spot on, spot on. Um, it's eerily just so, so well-written, man. Whoever, I mean, the screenwriters of this film truly understand human nature and have observed so acutely. Oh my gosh, yes. Not only like, understanding human nature so much to write these really good three-dimensional characters, but then understanding us as the audience enough to, to get us hooked and, and sucked into this movie that is filled with ambiguity. And like we talked about, we like certainty. We want to know facts. We want to be right. And this movie wants none of that. And so to get us interested and engaged enough to wade into the ambiguity and to enjoy our time in the ambiguity is really impressive. Again, just all the praise to this screenplay because it is it is so, so well done. Yeah, that's so true. And I feel like we've talked about in in the past in the pod, like there's ambiguity that feels really frustrating in film sometimes where it it feels unstructured. It feels unfocused. We don't know what we're doing. We feel lost. But when the ambiguity reflects our lives and ourselves and our emotions and our, our thoughts, feelings, and psyche so accurately, and it just resonates deeply, we, we almost feel comforted by that ambiguity because we realize that you know our lives and ourselves are also that complex. So we can feel empathy and we feel connected to these people that are flawed and difficult and so are we, you know, and so we're kind of really willing to engage and there's, there's almost a comfort might be the wrong word, but I'm going to go with it because I think there is a feeling of resonance to be like, oh, it's, it's not just me. Like I'm not alone in this. We are all flawed and messed up and, and difficult in our worst moments as well. And I think that's something that's fascinating about kind of the who we choose to empathize with in in Anatomy of Fall. Like we still don't know whether Sandra is guilty or not, but I think seeing her worst, most vulnerable moments being exploited and used so much by the prosecution was really hard to watch, which I think immediately for me built a lot of empathy for her because, man, imagine my worst moments getting like just – absolutely exposed for every everyone to see and and then to be constructed into uh motivations and capabilities of things that are, are incredibly large accusations like murder that's that's hard to get behind no matter who you are mm-hmm. yeah so that leads me to a question that i have for you of i know the movie doesn't take a stance on it 
but do you think she did it? Man. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I thought about this for a lot of the movie that I felt like she, she might've done it. Um, and I think by the end of the movie, <laughs> like she might've done it, but I'm glad she's off the hook because to, to be exploited in that way feels really rough to me, but there, I think she did. The other th- theory that I toyed around with for a little bit was that um, Steve perhaps like orchestrated the whole thing. So she might've done it, but uh, he like intentionally uh, kind of set her oh. up for this. Okay. Yeah. Um, so was a suicide by spouse. With. Huh? So like suicide by spouse. Yes. Yes. Like she okay. did it, but he knew which buttons to press to get her to do it. Um, huh. Hence the recordings. Hence all of that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. What about you? Do you have a stance? Hypothesis? Oh yeah. I think she did it. A hundred percent. The whole movie. I was like, no, you did it. Like why? Really? Why are we? Oh yeah. I, I, cause it's the simplest solution is that she did it. Cause I don't know him falling just didn't like feel right to me. And the way that she floated his suicide attempt. And then the way that that story kept changing mm. and growing. And there was a part in her testimony about the suicide where she switched from French to English. And I was like, it's probably harder to lie in your third language. So it would be easier to lie in a language that you're more comfortable with. So like almost everything she did, I was like, "Mm, you're guilty, but Mm. I don't think that the prosecution proved their case, you know, like, and I don't know the French standards for guilt. uh, But for me, there was enough reasonable doubt created by the defense that I think she deserved to be acquitted because prosecution yep. didn't didn't prove their case and like the thing that blew my mind was <laughs> that there was no focus on the murder weapon cuz like if she bashed <laughs> her husband over the head and then threw him off the ledge where did she stash the hammer or whatever that she hit him with you know so like mm. that was the only piece of it that I was like I don't know what she did with the murder weapon and the movie's never going to show me that. And that's okay. But yeah, I, I think that she was guilty. Yeah. There is like at least two times where she's talking to Vincent in their like planning conversations where she says like, I didn't expect, I didn't expect this. I didn't expect all of this. I didn't Mm -hmm. expect this. And I was like, expect, expect. (laughs) (laughs) So... There, there, you know, like you, you were expecting something, but not all this. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I think the movie's mm-hmm. more interesting to think about, assuming that she did it and then seeing the lens of how they, they, they try to construct a counter to it. And, and then that ending as well. I think it's, it's, it's just more interesting, I think, than seeing her as truly just innocent. Yeah. I, th- I think both you know, viewpoints are interesting, which again is impressive because mm-hmm. to to create a movie that makes both possibilities plausible yeah. and interesting yeah. and 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 have things to say based on what your interpretation is, like again, impressive screenplay, great mm-hmm. screenwriting to be able to pull all of this off and and have it be an engaging and an interesting movie that's not confusing and can have all of these different viewpoints and they're all valid. They're all there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Even down to the little details, like uh, the song that was playing and how it's a misogynist mm-hmm. song. And then the way that the prosecution like yeah. runs with that for a little bit, like well done. Like they've really thought about all these little details for the events so that there's enough that both sides kind of have a balanced amount of chips to play. Uh, and it's not clearly a winning hand on one side or the other. I thought, man, that's hard to, really hard to do. Really hard to do. It's like a well-constructed mystery. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. 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 Which is, this is a well-constructed mystery, except it's not actually concerned with who did it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Which is, is so true. again, so fascinating, such a different yeah. way to take on this genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Any other last thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah. I would just like to shout out Snoop, the dog. <laughs> I thought that that was so funny. Number one, that the dog's name is Snoop. Yeah. Number two, I think that that's so brilliant, like as like a subtle way to show Daniel's connection with his dad. Because his dad was mm-hmm. blasting the instrumental version of a 50 Cent song. And so then their dog's name is Snoop. Snoop Dog. <laughs> yep. And so like just showing the way that those two probably bonded and how his dad probably influenced the name of this dog and, and the way that they used different things to to bond together. So I just thought that that was not only a fun, creative, cute choice for a name of a dog, but also had additional meaning possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Which then also plays into that argument that they have around like him being around more and feeling more connected and having Mm -hmm. more time to invest. Like you see all of that play together really well. Yeah. That was a clever little detail. Again, screenwriters, man, on this movie, Mm. just so smart. Give them all the awards. So good. So good. All right. Well, this is our review and discussion of Anatomy of a Fall. You can find it available on a number of streaming platforms. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Movies and Us. Our name sums it up. We're all about movies and the powerful ways we connect with each other and the world around us. This podcast is about all of us and our shared stories. Everyone is welcome here, and we're so glad you spent time with us today. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a rating and review, letting us know your thoughts about Anatomy of a Fall. You can connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Movies and Us Pod or email us at moviesandnuspod at gmail.com. We will be back next week to discuss the film American Fiction. We hope you have an amazing week and we'll see you next week.